Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOSB, you'll be all set for when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams and all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOSB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio on one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're a holiday powerhouse. You host the dinners, shovel neighbors, sidewalks, and make everything from scratch. You definitely don't need help making the holidays happen. But Dunkin's Holiday Blend Coffee? A warming medium roast complete with sweet notes of dried fruit and molasses. Or a cranberry orange muffin made with real cranberries just might convince you a little help never hurt. Especially the hot caffeinated kind. America runs on Duncan. Present participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. First time in a long time, but it seems like just yesterday when we were side by side. Beast mode, no one's blocking our way. <laughs> These other guys tried it, but them man ain't got the skills of Braden and Davy, brazen and raging, bringing you the thrills and spills. Right here in full gear, about to blow up like TNT. Us man are too sweet, Brady, DVP, the BD elite. Right here in full gear, about to blow up like TNT. Us man are too sweet, Brady, DVP, the BD elite. Hello, hello, hello. Davey Portman here from Up Next for a brand new edition of BD Elite. It is Saturday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern time. And with all the schedule changes with playoffs and Dynamite moving around, uh, Braden is not here today. But I am joined instead by Mr. Shot in the Dark himself, John Sino Evil. How are you today, John? I'm doing great on this very hot Saturday morning. Um, it reminds me of Saturday morning slam. I used to wake up Saturday and have my breakfast and watch my wrestling. So now I'm waking up and I'm talking about wrestling. Um, but yeah, it's freaking hot. It's like 80 degrees here, about to be 90. I know you say it looks a little hot over there in Toronto as well. Yeah, it's same here. It's it's 26 degrees right now and it's meant to go up to 31. So 26 is around, yeah, like 80 in American. <laughs> and yeah, going up to around 90 later, it's... It's hot, and I uh, I got a bit carried away last night and ate way too much food. I had the grill mm. going, I had steaks, I had chicken, I then had ice cream and cheese and all that, so I felt pretty revolting this morning, so I thought I'd punish myself with a run before doing the show, and I am just a, a gross, sweaty mess now as I, I close all the windows in our apartment to try and keep the sound of the city out, uh, and I'm just in a bit of a greenhouse uh, sweating in my own filth right now, John. Um, so you didn't get any of those vouchers? You didn't get any Big Macs? I heard that there was a bunch of vouchers being thrown around. Oh, unfortunately not. No, I, <laughs> I missed out on that. And I missed out on my uh, winner's inner circle t-shirt. I mean... I got to check under your chair. I always got to check under your chair. At least the crowd got... At least the crowd had something to take yeah. away from that show, right? Literally, they took home a shirt, yeah. 
Um, so we've had a very busy week once again on the podcast uh, on Up Next. Uh, you can see our free movie review of Army of the Dead. Uh, listen to Braden and I not talk about the film and talk about Dave and his son for a few hours. And uh, then we have uh, a new episode of Was Next is available on the Patreon. Uh, we're finally up to Biggie's title defense against Connor O'Brien. And more importantly, things are really heating up in the William Regal Cassius Ono feud. Yes, on the Patreon, we go back in time and we review old episodes of NXT. And then tomorrow, we've got a special episode of Up Yours coming up, where we're joined by Andrew McDonald to talk all about the King of Trios tournament, in particular, Night 2 from 2009 uh, that features this fantastic match between El Generico, Nick Jackson, Jigsaw, and Kota Ibushi. So we'll be talking all about that tomorrow, as well as our usual shows we've got up on the feed. Uh, up next, we released on Tuesday. Here are all our thoughts on NXT. And then uh, you've released an episode of Shot in the Dark, John, as well. So if people haven't listened to that yet, what, what are you covering this week on Shot in the Dark? Um, this week, I know that the Ring of Honor is going to start like their new Survival of the Fittest tournament, which was like a really popular tournament they used to have back in the day. Names like Adam Cole have won it, so they're going to start doing that as well. Uh, NWA is going to be coming off of their pay per view, which is this Sunday, so we're going to have that show. Um, and then AEW Dark, I mean, last week was pretty interesting, they only had eight matches on Monday and five on Tuesday. I, I didn't know what else to talk about. I'm like, this is great. So, with, cra- <laughs> with, with crowds coming in now, maybe this is like the new era of AEW Dark, but as we'll get into it, um, I feel like Dark. Has had better episodes than Dynamites last night. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Uh, for for people that don't like it when we're we're negative, uh, maybe turn off now. Um, but let's talk about a positive. You and I, um, kind of over the last few months, especially when kind of everything was locked down here in Ontario for a long time, was covering Impact Wrestling a lot, mainly because of the whole Kenny Omega belt collector story. Um, but they tried something a bit different on Impact, and obviously we don't have an episode of Deep Impact up this week, but uh, I kind like, I know you've written the report for Post Wrestling. Uh, I'd kind of like to talk about that Iron Man match, uh, which they did. They tried something a bit different. They've got their Dynamite pre-show called uh, Before the Impact, and basically started this Iron Man match between Josh Alexander and TJP about 15 minutes into that show, which continued into the main programming of Impact. Um, For those of you that didn't see it, it was Josh Alexander picking up the first fall about 20 minutes into the match. And um, kind of it started picking up and getting a bit more aggressive as the match went on, where they're they're fighting up on the stage. And um, Josh Alexander is uh, teasing the... Uh, what is it, the Tiger Driver 98 on the stage. So you've got people coming out telling him not to do that. And then it's kind of the whole roster are just coming out to fill ringside to watch the the climax of this match. So when Impact starts, you've got Alexander and TJP going at it with all of Impact roster there watching. Uh, TJP picks up uh, a full kind of surprising Alexander with about five seconds left on the clock, which takes it to overtime. Um, and then Alexander ultimately uh, winning there, but a uh, hell of a match, I thought, and really something that uh, Impact should be pushing and as many eyes as possible should uh, should watch this match. Because 
I think Josh Alexander is a real highlight on that show for me at the moment, just for putting on great, like, credible wrestling matches. And uh, TJP, I know he's not everyone's cup of tea. He's certainly uh, not mine with some of his uh, silly comments he makes, shall we put. But um, you can't deny what uh, how good a wrestler he is. And I really thought this was an excellent Iron Man match. What did you think, John? Yeah, the match was amazing. I mean, before the impact, it's a show that's like free. They showed on access in YouTube before, and nobody ever watches it. I, mean, I don't even cover it in the show. It's whatever. But this week, I had to watch it just because of the mm. thought of the first ever uh, Iron Man match in Impact. And uh, yeah, it was great. And like you said, like when they had like slowly the the roster was coming out, and they even said on commentary like they were backstage watching the monitor, and they just had to come out and see this like amazing match. It was kind of cool because we never got fans or even roster ringside. So it was the first time seeing that. Um, but it was very smart transition how they went into the main show. Um, and then like it was smart because after they announced tickets for Slammiversary, it's going to be the first time they bring fans in. So mm. those tickets sold out right away. You had this great promo by Josh Alexander where he was like, all this outside talent is coming in, taking our titles. If anything, I'm the true champion of Impact because I'm actually part of this roster. And he kind of teased something with Kenny Omega, which is maybe something we could see down the road. I mean, this definitely escalated Josh Alexander more than TJP, obviously. I mean, TJP definitely had a great showing, but I feel mm. like this is all about Josh Alexander um, possibly taking the reins as one of the top guys in Impact going forward. I think he should be because I think he's such a you know you're going to get a good match when it's a Josh Alexander match. Um, I, I just, I kind of was a bit critical when they announced that they're putting this match on uh, before the impact. I was like, I was like what? Because I'd, I'd heard reports from the tapings that this was a really good uh, match. But actually, I, I thought it was a great idea because once impact starts, just visually so different to normal, you're starting the show midway, well, gone midway through this match the the impact rosters there it it kind of made the show feel exciting to start with um yeah and and just the pace these guys were working at for over an hour what was it an hour and five hour and seven something like that um yeah they went to sudden death it was another seven minutes my only like real gripe was like there was a lot of commercials but since then they have put the full match uh on youtube with no commercials like the whole impact before the impact as well so it's up there if you guys want to watch I definitely recommend it. Yeah, I know Josh Matthews said after the match, we'll we'll like make sure this is out there in its full uh, as soon as possible. G- great idea doing that. But um, personally, I I think the original Iron Man match is maybe the most overrated match in wrestling history because I don't think much happens until the final stretch. But this whole hour and a bit just kept me really interested. So. Um, I think Impact, again, it's it's Slammiversary coming up, a lot of releases. Uh, sounds like they're trying to make some moves, uh, but I hope it's more moves in the direction of focusing on the likes of a Josh Alexander and maybe similar talent rather than bringing in your uh, William Morrisseys, etc. Well, don't forget, see what I did there? Steve Cutler. Or Macklin, Steve Macklin, as they call him, had a, uh, I'll be honest, as soon as they showed him, I'm like, it took me a second to realize who it was. But then, like, I kind of got the heads up earlier that he possibly could be coming in. I'm like, oh, mm. it's Steve Cutler, um, which I think is great. The fact that he's solo and Impact is definitely the place for him. Somebody like him to, like, reinvent himself and totally try something new because he would definitely, what's he going to do on AEW, be on Dark? Um, Impact, I think, is the perfect spot for him to to go there and reinvent himself. I, I like uh, Wesley Blake, but I'd rather Cutler kind of get his own chance to shine and become something. I think Cutler really does need to reinvent himself. Um, I think right from uh, his kind of uh, time with Forgotten Sons and stuff, 
he was the more forgotten one of the three, I would say. Uh, Blake obviously had his tag run early in NXT. Uh, Jackson Riker, just to look at, he stands out of the three. Uh, Steve Cutler has a very, very generic look where you can forget about him. And I can see him debuting and people going like, oh, who's this guy again? So I, I really think he needs to reinvent himself big time. I think he's talented in the ring. I think he's a fine wrestler. Um, but yeah, hopefully impact is where he can, he can do that. Um, anything else that's kind of stood out for you in the, in the world of wrestling this week before we get into, um, into dynamite, I, I've seen most of the Grizzly Smith dark side of the ring. Um, I think I'll probably be talking with Braden about that on Tuesday for up next, but, uh, I, I still got the last kind of 15 minutes to watch of that show, but, uh, heavy stuff. I know you've, you've seen dark side, right? Yeah, I kind of like knew a little bit about the story, but not like the full details. But um, yeah, for anybody who didn't watch it, um, be prepared. It's definitely one of the darker stories. Um, mm-hmm. There really, there is a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, obviously with Jake and everybody else doing pretty well now. But it definitely gets gruesome. There was even like a a disclaimer before the show if you're sensitive to like any sort of like sexual abuse stories or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely take fair warning. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a sad story, but um. Shout out to Jake the Snake and Rock and Robin and the rest of the family now. And uh, fuck you to Grizzly Smith is all I say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as you said, there is that kind of glimmer of hope there because uh, you you know kind of Jake is obviously Jake still has his demons and you can see it when he talks. He's so scarred by his past. But it's it's great to see that he's kind of sober, what, 10 years now and yep. uh, and in AEW, got a job, seems seems happy, uh, and obviously a kind of uh, Robin as well, and uh, they all seem to be in a better place now. But fuck, man, what I, I knew bits of it, but didn't really know how deep this story went. Um, so a tough watch, but I, I think kind of uh, necessary viewing in a way. Um, but yeah, Braden and I, I'm sure, will be talking about that on Tuesday. But shall we get into this Dynamite? Uh, AEW Dynamite from June 4th, 2021. It's a Friday edition. And just a reminder, guys, uh, if you are watching on Twitch right now, we will be taking your calls at the end of the show if you want to give any of your thoughts on Dynamite, NXT, anything else in the world of wrestling. I've posted the Zoom link in the Facebook group and on Patreon. So the, the show starts and it reveals that earlier in the night, the Young Bucks attacked Ray Phoenix backstage. Uh, there have been kind of rumors that Phoenix has been nursing a few injuries recently. And uh, this was, I guess, a way of kind of officially writing him off for a few weeks on TV. Uh, and that's why we're going to Penta and Pack from the Death Triangle taking on the Young Bucks in a non-title match. Don Callis is on commentary. Uh, the Bucks come out all in their obnoxious gear, um nick jackson gives his headband to michael nakazawa who's at (laughs) ringside when the elite hunter frankie kazarian attacks nakazawa from behind taking him out and then disappears into the night um i i'm actually quite enjoying this uh elite hunter frankie kazarian gimmick that we got right now Uh, and i think especially now we've got crowds back where he can just show up through the crowd and just quickly take someone out and disappear uh, like this kind of silent hitman. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm quite a fan of, of this gimmick. 
it's kind of scary. It's kind of like they could make like a video game or a movie, like serial killer or like horror movie based on it. It's like Jason Voorhees, but it's Kazarian just coming in and taking the elite off one by one. And you know, I mean, he's scared the hell out of me. I'm watching. I didn't even like think he's going to come out. He just comes out of nowhere. So that's very well done. So it uh, looks like Daniels is who knows MIA for now. Yeah. But I like this new uh, elite hunter Kazarian. It, it reminds me like my closest comparison would be Hawkeye in Endgame where everything's been taken away from him, his family, and he's got nothing left to lose, and he just wants revenge. And this is Frankie. He's like, Scorpio Sky left me to start feuding with emos, and and Christopher Daniels might be leaving wrestling, so I'm on my own. I've got nothing left to lose. I'm going to take out the elite. Uh, I did like this. They start brawling. Uh, the Bucks and Penta and Pack are brawling all around ringside before the match starts. Uh, they finally get into the ring, the bell rings, and uh, Matt Jackson throughout this match is doing a lot of overselling. Uh, kind of, I think he was deliberately going for Shawn Michaels against Hulk Hogan from SummerSlam. Like he'd have the, the head slammed against the turnbuckle and he'd kind of flip and flop around. Uh, Penta starts super kicking both bucks. Pat comes in with a slingshot cutter. Uh, Nick on the apron hits this crazy running PK to Pat's face. And then Nick's holding Pac's arms behind him on the outside as Matt Jackson teases a suicide dive. But he ends up sliding out of the ring onto the stage, running around ringside and just gives Pac a slap across the face as Don Callis is calling his sheer athleticism. Um, Yeah, just this was a whole lot of the Bucks just pissing about. Pat comes back with this crazy snap German suplex to Nick, just dumping Nick on his head. I hope he's okay after this. Penta comes in with the hot tag, delivering sling blades and a backstabber sent on combo to the Bucks. Then there's a double super kick from Pack and Penta to Nick. They then go for the assisted package pile driver, but Nick slap, slips out. And then Pack jumps off, sorry, Penta jumps off Pack's back into a destroyer onto Nick Jackson, uh, like a poetry in motion destroyer. Then Matt Jackson hits a destroyer of his own. Then Penta, uh, the, the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks, whenever they have this match, their matches, they always have this moment where both of them are going to hit a move at the same time and trying to outdo the other, whether it be both jumping off a ladder at the same time, or in this case, it's Penta with the package pile driver to Matt on the apron as Nick Jackson hits a dirty German suplex to pack on the apron as they're both staring each other down, hitting this move. Nick then pulls Rick Knox in the way as he gets kind of inadvertently thumbed in the eye, taking the ref out momentarily. Nick then uh, tries to pull off the mask of Penta, but it's revealed that he's got another one underneath. Penta hits the package pile driver and then... Uh, Pat goes up top, hitting the black arrow, but Matt Jackson breaks up the pin. Uh, as Rick Knox is kind of distracted with the thumb to the eye, Brandon Cutler on the outside uses the camera, and Nick stacks up Pack for the pin, and the Young Bucks win. Uh, after the match, they go to kind of take out Penta with the, the I guess, repeated BTE triggers like they did to Mox, at double or nothing. But Eddie Kingston runs out for the save, saving his former friends. Um, 
yeah, what did you make of this this match, um, Penta and Pack versus the Young Bucks, John? Yeah, I mean, it was hands down probably the yeah, it's the best match in the show. Like, without any question. But um, you know, obviously the ending was a little weird, but it's something that we I guess have become accustomed to with the new Young Bucks recently with the brand new color either doing something with the spray or the camera there's always some mm. sort of interference so that aside it was a really good match um the, the spot with nick jackson running around the ring that was hilarious to me i have to admit though rick knox is a bad referee like i, feel I like agree whenever, whenever like there's a, a, a pinfall attempt he has to like make a lap around the wrestler set himself up and it's like i understand it's part of the story but it just it, it looks so bad especially like when he's running in front of his face you see the camera spot from cutler and all that um but yeah, it was it was a good match regardless. Uh, they did they did mention at the top that I guess Moxie is injured after his match from Double yes. or Nothing, so that's the reason why he wasn't there. Um, and also, I realized that Phoenix has been injured, but I think he's been with the whole Spanish announced team change. I think Phoenix has been covering on the Spanish announced team. Oh, okay. And it should be noted that Alex Abrahantas wasn't with Pentagon. I'm not sure if that's because he was on commentary or something happened with that. So that's something I guess to take note of. And. Um, Eddie Kingston, I think I own those same red shorts. And I he looked like me on a Saturday morning when I forgot to get milk and I got to run to the corner store. That's exactly how he was dressed. Like, he just, it was hilarious. Yeah, I think, um, I, I enjoyed this match. I think by design, it didn't kind of reach what this match potentially could. You look on paper, Penta and Pack versus the Young Bucks, this should be nuts. Whereas the Bucks currently in their, uh, kind of with their character, this heel character. Um, having watched that A&E special on Mick Foley recently, it kind of reminded me of uh, Mick Foley and ECW, where you expect to see the nuts hardcore stuff with him, but when he turned heel, he kind of removes all that and wants to wrestle properly. And that's kind of what the Bucks were doing here. They were denying us of all their their usual crazy spots and sure we had we had crazy things like package pile drivers on aprons and uh like leaping off destroyers but uh this didn't quite reach the level that i expected it to um but i i think it was more to just further the character of the bucks and uh i, I don't mind so much the the dirty dirty finishes um kind of with these guys it's just again as as i kind of got into last week it was a lot of it tonight. It was a lot of uh, kind of cheating to win and distraction finishes yeah. and all that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say this was the the match of the night. And at this point in the show, kind of curious seeing Eddie running out, saving these guys, because obviously they were uh, part of the, of the fam, the family, and uh, Eddie sort of turned on these guys. So that's uh, kind of interesting, but we will get more from that later. Uh, I do also think I I quite enjoy the the sort of Hulk Hogan selling when like the Jacksons are overselling moves that don't particularly hurt too much. But Matt Jackson keeps on doing this thing when he's being beaten down on the outside where he's staring at the camera and overselling. And to me, it's too much at times because I know they're doing it to kind of piss you off and wind you up. But sometimes it's at moments where, you know, he's being choked by like wires on the outside and he's doing this deliberate overselling and it uh, it just makes it look fake, right? Yeah, they're just, they're trying their hardest to get everybody to hate them. And I guess that's one of the things you can definitely do to get heat. Yeah. So uh, Tony Schiavone's in the ring introducing our latest signing, uh, an, our new analyst and co-host, 
for Rampage, Mark Henry. So Mark Henry comes out and he says, I'm not here to fix AEW. AEW isn't broken. I'm here to turn the screws, as we say, on Busted Open. And then Shivani asks the question, apparently we've all been wanting to know, will Mark Henry come back to the ring for a return? And Mark Henry goes, right now, I'm not going to say yes, but I've got a lot left in the tank. Um, <laughs> let's just pause there. Teasing a Mark Henry return to the ring. Um, look, I like Mark Henry, but I can't say I'm, I've ever been a fan of his matches. I can't, I can't honestly say I'm too interested in his analysis on wrestling. Um, this is a big, like, world's strongest man, powerlifter, who got by for many years in wrestling being a big guy, you know? Um, I, I think Mark Henry, I think, is a great signing for being backstage. I yeah. think especially um, I see a lot of criticisms with AEW on their, their use of um, performers of color. And I think having a veteran African-American backstage with, uh, with a lot of kind of your younger guys there, I think can offer a lot of advice of how to navigate yourself in this industry as a person of color. I think, I think there is definite value in Mark Henry. For me, it's not in front of the camera at this point. And I certainly am not interested in a in-ring return. And the crowd here were being polite because it kind of felt like Ah, oh, it's a legend. Yeah, okay, let's... Do you want one more return? Yeah, sure. But I couldn't really sense that the crowd were too excited about this either. Uh, am I on my own here? Am I being a bit harsh on Mark Henry? No, no, I 100% agree on everything you said. Um, It doesn't hurt. I mean, it doesn't help that, like, him and the next person that's going to come out, come out with no music. And I feel like when you do that, there's, like, there's no pop. Like, there's no, like, big theme or big thing on the screen to make everybody excited so he just here's mark henry um mm. he had a little pinkish salmon shirt so i was like okay what's going on here and the whole <laughs> left in the tank thing um but i 100 agree like he i don't see any benefit of him being on rampage because now it's like every single show has like a former wwe guy on commentary it's like okay we understand you got paul white here you got mark henry there um him wrestling i i don't want to see that unless it's like a one-off thing to put over like a like a powerhouse Hobbs or something, that would be great to have him just come in and just demolish Henry just to get Hobbs over. But him as a coach is definitely like the the reason why you should have him there. I mean, he's a guy that discovered Bianca Belair. He discovered Jade Cargill. So have him there, have him recruit um, people of color and, and push people in general. Just like he'd be a great person backstage. And just like you said, he's probably the only person representing people of color backstage now. So I think that's definitely the reason why they brought him in. It also doesn't hurt that like his best friend, Paul White is there as well. But as far as wrestling goes, no, unless like, like I said, the one off to just get powerhouse Hobbs over. I don't want to see Mark Henry wrestling every week because when he was wrestling on raw or SmackDown, people didn't really like that. So why would they like that in AEW? I, I can't think of a good Mark Henry match. I'm sorry. Like I, I think of that, that salmon suit angle, which was, yeah, fantastic. But uh, yeah, I can't say I'm too excited about seeing him wrestle. And I'm not too excited about the next person either, because Vicky Guerrero comes out yelling, excuse me. And look, if you're flicking the TV on here, I think this is such a bad look. 
Vicky Guerrero, who uh, I've been tired of that gimmick for years. It had its moment, but it, it screams kind of 2012 to me, Vicky Guerrero. Yeah, and what a way to make Mark Henry look like nothing, right? Like, yeah. here's Vicky, get the hell out of the ring. And no response at all. He's like, okay, I'm just going to get out of the ring. Like, the same way that Randy Orton told him to get the hell out of Raw. Now he just got out of the ring as well. It's like, you could have said something, Mark. Like, So she's here to introduce a man who has won championships all over the world. And if you can actually decipher anything she's saying because she's just fucking screaming down the mic. She introduces Andrade El Idolo. Um, and zero pop, I'd say, because no one here had a clue what Vicky was saying. And out comes Andrade, the former Andrade Cien Almas. Andrade El Idolo, uh, one half of my favorite match ever, Gargano V Almas. Um, and he looks fantastic here. He's in this kind of bottle green suit. Uh, I think he's even got, hasn't he got his name like stitched in gold on the inside? Yeah, El Idolo is inside, El yeah. Idolo. Um, looked fantastic. Uh, he gets on the mic and says, I used to say I am the face of Latinos, but today I am saying I will be the new face of all elite wrestling. Um, th- th- I mean, to me, Andrade signing to AEW should be the biggest moment of this show. This should have been a huge moment. It happened at around the 10.30 mark, so not like top of the hour or anything. I know, I know that's probably different because it's a later showing. But Vicky Guerrero just screaming, butchering his introduction. Jim Ross on commentary had no idea how to pronounce this dude's name. <laughs> called him Andre Didolo or something. Um, what a flop of a introduction, oh. I thought. I am look, don't get me wrong, I am so excited having Andrade in AEW. The the kind of matches you can get with this guy, obviously Andrade Kenny, which is happening at Triple Mania. Um, yeah. but so many other interesting um matches this guy can have. But why is he with Vicky Guerrero? I, I think this is such a bad move, such a bad look from AEW. And I'm I'm kind of surprised by it because it really feels they're starting to fall down this trap of, oh, you're an ex-WWE guy. And I think I, Andrade is the kind of ex-WWE guy you absolutely want on your roster, but it just looks bad, especially after a segment having Mark Henry and Vicky in the ring. Uh, I think they completely butchered this debut. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be negative here. So you guys can turn this off if you don't want to hear negativity. But um, there's so many things wrong that happen with this segment. Um, number one, yeah, the Vicky Guerrero connection, just like Muggin said, I thought the same thing. It brought me back to flashbacks of Eric Escobar on SmackDown with Vicky Guerrero introducing her, her new Latino thing that she's managing. Um, him having no music definitely didn't help because when – Vicky said his name. The crowd, I went back and watched it a couple of times. The crowd legit didn't know what she said because they got, they're still putting their thumbs down. They're booing. They don't know hmm. what she said. Once he popped out, people started to get it like, oh, okay, this is him. But the pop still wasn't big. I mean, this is a crowd that already sat through two and a half hours, two hours of AEW Dark. Supposedly they're taping like three episodes of Dynamite this week. This crowd's tired. I heard that it was 80 degrees out there. The concession ran out of drinks and food. This crowd probably just wants to go home at this point. They're not going to pop for, for Andrade, you know, like. Oh, that was just bad. And then 
to Thea. Like I said, the pairing of, of Vicky Guerrero doesn't make any sense. And like, this is what I would have done personally. Like I would show a video or some sort of teaser hyping up Andrade and then debut him in a Miami in a couple weeks, debut him in Texas where the Latino crowd would go huge for him. Debut yeah. him in Charlotte. They're going to be in Charlotte in july how great would he come out and be like i'm finally in charlotte again or some sort of funny joke or something um but just to debut him here with zero build like zero like reason like he has this match with kenny that's not till august have him come out and get in kenny's face and say hey just so you know i'm, I'm watching you i'm here um but to have him with vicky guerrero doesn't make any sense to go to go back a little bit the only reason i could see vicky guerrero uh interrupting mark henry is if they plant seeds for down the road let's say mark henry starts managing jade which makes sense because he discovered her and you could do jade versus nyla and that could be like the little seeds for that but um back to andrade like i love andrade don't get me wrong i'm very happy he's here i kind of was hoping he would maybe go to ring of honor or new japan before signing with a company but he's here and uh obviously we know with aw they're very open with letting their wrestlers wrestle elsewhere so hopefully it's the same mm. deal where we, he can pop up in other shows um because there's definitely matches out there that i want to see andrade um fight and with all these recent releases now of course people are like buddy murphy alistair black like let's have these matches again with with um andrade um but yeah the whole debut was was very fumbled like i don't understand the reasoning for this it's like Let's just say they wanted to get viewership, then eat it or hype it up. There was zero of that. And I know in the past, Tony Khan has kind of like overhyped stuff, but he could have maybe said something to the effect of stay tuned. There's going to be a new face. Um, maybe he did. I don't know. But um, this was like probably one of the worst debuts AEW has done. And it sucks because I love Andrade and he should have got way more than this. He's a much bigger star than they represented him. I agree. I I don't think he needs a mouthpiece either. I think AEW have shown that they're, perfectly fine with presenting someone uh, who doesn't necessarily speak English. Just think of the Eugene Nagata match the other week. If, you, if you've never heard of New Japan Pro Wrestling or who Eugene Nagata is, in the space of a couple of minutes, they sold you that this guy is legit and uh, is a threat to John Moxley. And this guy didn't speak any English. He had a couple of subtitles on his promos, I think. And like Andrade can speak English. Like, he clearly can. He's been in the States for a while. He's in a relationship with Charlotte. I'm sure they they probably speak in English to each other. Um, like, I'm not saying this guy is going to cut 20-minute promos, but I think a guy who, with his talent set, who looks a million bucks, like the way he looked coming out here, he looked fucking fantastic. Like, Vicky Guerrero is just going to bring the act down. Unless you could bring in Zelina. And maybe that was the the thought that, they were yeah. going to have them as a, a tandem and then they Zelina fell through and they felt that this guy needs a mouthpiece. But I really don't think he needs it. And I, I think it cheapens the act. Yeah, I'm hoping it was just like an introduction thing to kind of put the link between Eddie Guerrero and Andrade, obviously being influenced by him doing his losing and everything. I hope it's not like a pairing, but maybe it is like just a, a holdover until they could get uh, Zelina over there. Um, but yeah, I, I don't want to see Vicky Guerrero every week screaming and yelling while Andrade's wrestling. She's awful. She yeah. really is. We go to Cody Rhodes. He has his big entrance. Uh, th- there was American a little flag kind of, at all. <laughs> American flag and all. There was a little bit of a, a mishap with his entrance as well. Kind of the video, oh, really? I think. Yeah, I think when they put the flag up, this sort of music and video kind of stopped for a little bit. But uh, he's still got his pyro. So it's Cody there Rhodes. Probably- they were probably like, shit, which song do we play? We have the new version? Do we play the new one with the orchestra? What do we do? <laughs> it's 
So it's Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson taking on Anthony Agogo and Cutie Marshall. Uh, Agogo wants Cody in the match. So he he's kind of telling Johnson to tag in Cody. Uh, Agogo hits a nice belly-to-belly throw suplex. Uh, Lee Johnson comes in with a leaping hangman's neckbreaker to QT. Agogo hits this big clothesline on the outside. Now Cody is just beating down on QT Marshall. Uh, does this big monkey flip, turning him inside out. And then there's a lot of posing from Cody Rhodes before he applies the figure four to QT. But Agogo breaks it up with a frog splash. QT comes in with a diamond cutter to Cody, but Lee Johnson breaks up the fall. And then Aaron Solo's getting on the apron, trying to get involved when Agogo comes in as the illegal man with a big right hand to Cody, knocking him out and just QT flops on top of Cody Rhodes. One, two, three. QT Marshall pins Cody. <laughs> and why the fuck not after this episode? Why not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course, Cody can't lose cleanly. You got to throw in Aaron Solo there with the distraction, you know, obviously. And then Go-Go with the punch. Um, I, What is it going to lead to? A rematch again with QT and Cody? I mean, we had the exhibition match. I mean, the running theme on this show is a lot of rematches or just kind of reconfigurations of matches from Double or Nothing. And I feel like we're definitely going to get uh, QT and Cody. Maybe they're going to fight on that that uh, bus. They teased it a couple weeks ago with them, right? They're on top of the bus. Oh, right. Um, so, maybe, so maybe they can do that. Um, But yeah, this this match... It wasn't what it was. I mean, I love Lee Johnson. He should definitely get a bigger role in this whole thing. Um, maybe tend some sort of dissension between Lee Johnson. You know, maybe QT tries to recruit him or do something. I mean, he's one of his students as well. Um, but I don't, I don't really want to see Cody and QT again because I feel like Cody is just going to win <laughs> again. This is this is baffling to me. And you know how much I love QT Marshall. But oh yeah, why why not give a go go the win at double or nothing? If you're continuing this feud, you know, Uh, I, this feels, Cody at times feels a bit ADHD with his feuds because he was, wasn't he feuding with Penta? It felt like he was building up to this, this kind of big feud with Penta and they had a match on TV, but that kind of just vanished. And then we went to this Cutie Marshall feud and then it's, oh, we realized that the Cutie Marshall feud is actually to build up a go-go and now we're going back to QT um, and putting QT over here. It just, it seems a bit all over the place to me. And I think they need to kind of decide what the focus is on. Is this, is the focus of this story a betrayal in the relationship between Cody and QT? Or is this Anthony Agogo uh, going for Cody's crown? Is this a USA versus UK feud? Or is this... You know what? Cody was never there when we were training. He only popped in one day a week and QT was always there. So I'm going to be QT's guy. It, it seems a bit messy and uh, really, really surprising with the with the QT pin there. So the feud continues, I guess. Um, yeah, what I'm hoping for is, I mean, Brandy's got to be due soon, I would think. I'm maybe thinking that Cody's going to have to take some time off. I don't know if he's going to since he's like one of the executives there, but let's just say he does want to take some time off. Do a crazy angle. Have the factory run him over with the bus or something i don't know <laughs> do something to to take cody out um that's what i'm hoping that'll help um the factory you know get over and then have him kind of run stuff for a couple months and then here comes superman cody again and just take them all out when he's uh able to return as a father you know the father the american dream whatever they're gonna announce him as <laughs> uh, he's gonna come back and uh probably take them down once again 
Uh, the match didn't do a whole lot for me either, but I do no. think I do think a go-go shows promise. Uh, I, I think he moves pretty well in the ring, so I, I can see him being a bigger deal. After the match, QT gets on the mic and says, I shocked the world. Shivani, you never believed in me, but I did it. Uh, we go to our next segment. The inner circle come out to Judas. They're all wearing their championship T-shirts. Obviously, last year they had a bunch of these things made and they didn't win. But this year... They won and they announced that everyone should look under their seats because they're giving away free T-shirts to all the fans there. And they introduced the hero of Stadium Stampede, Sammy Guevara, who obviously pinned Sean Spears winning the match at double or nothing. Guevara says, what a rush, ending it by doing a 6.30 on that idiot Sean Spears. And he said, I've been doing that 6.30 for years. I used to do it off the roof of my house and I'd climb on the roof and my mom would say, hey, get down from there. So I'd come down with a 6.30. And he goes, to go from the roof to the main event of Double or Nothing, wow. And I love you all. I love all you fans. I love all the inner circle. Santana gets on the mic and says, uh, what did we actually accomplish apart from being able to stay together? Because we still got to see the pinnacle here every week. They're still here. And a true accomplishment would be seeing them lying in a ditch somewhere off the I-95. Uh, so he just wants to murder these guys, I guess. Yeah. Um, he says, FDR tried to take us out by doing pile drivers through tables, and you try to take food off our tables. But this is far from over. A bit of a, a Seth Rollins dig there, a bit of a Triple H dig. They're coming mm-hmm. in here, trying to take food off your tables. So Jake Hager then gets on the mic and says... <laughs> This is far from over. We say when it's over and we're going to keep whooping your ass until we say when. And Wardlow, you thought the fight we had at double or nothing was the end. And you have pinned me in a wrestling ring before. But you know what? I want to fight Wardlow in an MMA cage fight in two weeks time. Okay, can we can we pause right there? So, <laughs> of course. what the hell's going on? Like, they're gonna have a like a lion's den type of match or a cage fight? Like, actually, like Wardlow and Black uh, Hager. That That's should be interesting. Like. I mean, yeah, we haven't had anything. We haven't really had any like besides Stadium Stampede. We haven't had really like any outside of wrestling gimmicky matches. Um, it's it's not gonna be no fight pit. I can probably promise that. Um, but it should be interesting. But like, realistically, wouldn't Wardlow just get his ass kicked? I don't think he has any sort of MMA experience. I could be wrong. Um, but it's interesting that they're doing this. I guess it's some sort of draw they're going to do. Um, I, think, I feel like it might sorry. be cinematic, right? I feel like it's not going to be filmed in Bailey's oh. place. I don't know. Maybe it's like uh, an outside, like underground type thing. Oh, I, I don't know. I can see, I think, especially with having, what, won't this be this? Oh, this will be at Daly's place. It'll too. be taped one. Yeah. That's the thing. Cause like, it's going to mm. be a show that's already taped. So okay. I can't see them taping this in front of a crowd. I can see it more of like a backstage thing, maybe in the chair room that Sean Spears likes to stand. Maybe they'll tape it in there. I'd prefer more of a lion's den fight pit style than cinematic. Uh, as you said, it might not necessarily be in front of a crowd, but um, I don't really want kind of heavy editing and stuff for this. But th- again, this just seemed like this show was just feeling very random to me. And even the announcement of this cage fight, it it felt a bit blink and you'll miss it. You know, just everyone's going off on their promo and in the middle of this whole thing, Jake Hager just announced, oh, we're going to have a MMA fight in two weeks. Uh, but I am curious. I, I think that could actually be uh, quite fun. 
Now, do they the bring in? Do they bring in somebody like Kurt Angle as the special guest referee, just like he did for the fight pit? He's out there. Oh, maybe Shamrock, right? yeah, perhaps Shamrock. Shamrock is another one. Right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. He's, I guess he's done with Impact, right? But like, yeah, Angle has so. that history with with Jay Hager, so I can see. Yeah, Angle, Sham. They gotta bring somebody in. Like a match like this, you don't just have a Aubrey Edwards or Rick Knox out there. I feel like maybe I'll get that Steve Blackman return I've been wanting for so Ooh. so long, and he'll look exactly the same. <laughs> Jericho then gets on the mic and says, when I think of uh, Sean Spears, it pisses me off. When I think of Wardlow powerbombing me off the stage, it pisses me off. When I think of that slimy, no good MJF throwing me off a cage, it pisses me off. You tried to end my career and my life after you pushed me off the, war, uh, the blood and guts cage. I keep on waking up in cold sweats, thinking about what could have happened and I must settle the score. Until I can ruin your life like you tried to ruin mine, it will not be enough. MJF, you called me the GOAT, and if I am as good as you think I am and good enough to build AEW up to be the the greatest wrestling company ever, I need to beat MJF. I am going to beat MJF. This isn't over, and the inner circle never forgives and never... Ever fucking forgets. <laughs> he said effing, but yeah. Um, good promos from everyone. Ortiz just standing there looking pretty. Um, but Jericho, I, they've kind of got this thing down now where they're letting everyone kind of say their thing and Jericho wrapping it up at the end. Uh, great intensity. But I, I think you messaged me um, yesterday going, it looks like we're getting double or nothing backlash coming up, right? Yeah, I mean, with the, I don't think Sammy said anything about Sean Spears, but everybody else kind of like went off with their significant others, I guess, from the Stadium Stampede match. You're going to have the FTR versus Santana Ortiz. You're going to have MGF and Jericho, I'm guessing, in some sort of stipulation match. And obviously, we're going to get the uh, cage match with Wardlow and um, and Hager. But yeah, I mean, I guess that's what's happening now, right? What kind of Where do we go from now with MJF and Jericho? You already had a stampede. You had a blood and guts. Like, what's next? I mean, could you do a, a like a loser leaves town and write Jericho off for a bit, perhaps? Um, I I really feel the pinnacle need to win this feud eventually, oh, yeah. uh, and the whole thing just feels booked backwards. It it reminds me of WWE when I mean we're coming up to the Hell in a Cell pay per view, and so often they're now starting feuds in the cell when it really should be that great blow off, and that's exactly what we happened here. We went from blood and guts which for me should be the ultimate payoff and then went to stadium stampede and now we're going to the individual matches it- you know you know what this reminds me this reminds me of uh batman versus superman dawn of justice where you had everybody together and then you had like the solo movies after the reverse yeah. of marvel basically that's what's happening now it's like now we're gonna get the and i totally forgot about santana ortiz going through those tables like on the go home show like realistically they should have been injured off of that and i don't think they showed any sort of injury that should have been done maybe after or like well, during the stadium stampede yeah. they're in the, yes during the yeah, you're right they're in the stadium stampede and then build up to their return but yeah we're getting all these singles matches which i'm, I'm happy for ftr and santana ortiz because they've been forgotten about in the whole tag team scene and both of those teams should be champions or in the championship matches at this point yeah th- that's that's definitely the combination i'm most looking forward to and i'm not negative about the pairings i just think the whole this whole feud is completely back to front um but yeah santana ortiz versus ftr 
absolutely. That's a match I really want to see. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to this Wardlow-Jake Hager match. I think that could be great. Um, and Jericho MJF, the blow-off needs to happen. And I, I, I feel that will be the final blow-off to this feud. And what do you yeah, do with Sammy? I mean, he's not going to fight Sean Spears. He already got the pin on him. So you got to do something different with Sammy, I'm guessing. Maybe put him against Miro. That could be a, a future match down the line, I could see. I mean, I feel Sammy and MJF have beef as well. So you could always do that yeah. as well. I mean, Jericho... It, like, is this a legit injury with Jericho? This dislocated elbow? I, I think he said it was. He still had the, okay. the thing on his arm. Um, So maybe, yeah, maybe they are going to write him off. Uh, Fod, I mean, Fods has got to be going on tour sometime soon, right? I mean, everybody else is uh, having crowds. So I'm sure Jericho's going to be one of the first uh, rock concerts out there with fans. Yeah, I mean, I feel you eventually do a... You write Jericho off for a, for a couple of months and you have... Kind of like the New Day are now, where Biggie's doing his own thing, but he's still he's still the New Day. He'll still always be the New Day. You can have kind of Santana Ortiz focus on the tag division for a bit, Sammy on a singles run, um, that kind of thing, where they're still affiliated with each other, but not necessarily doing inner circle things every week. And then you wait for Jericho to come back to kind of do it again. Uh, yeah, Chris, Chris Leone. Chris Leone in the chat reminded us that Sturgis is going to be in uh, August again. This <laughs> so Jericho's definitely getting ready for that. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, good promos. Just just a bit weird. We go backstage to the best friends, and Chucky T is saying, look, Don, Kenny, do I need to hold your hands and, like, walk you through what happened at Double or Nothing? And Trent picks up and says, Casty beat you twice, Kenny. And Don shouldn't have even been there. Don interfering, distracting the ref. And huh, look, what a surprise. The bad guys cheated and they won. And Casty finishes by saying, if you think this is over, it's not. So uh, Casty obviously wanting a, a bit of a singles match, um, which I imagine we'll get against Kenny in a few weeks after the Jungle Boy feud. Kenny then, is a busy man. He's, he's fighting an impact. He's got Moose. He's also starting something with Sammy Callahan. So I'm sure that match is going to happen. Um, he's got Andrade in Triple Mania. And then here he has both Jungle Boy and Orange Cassidy and possibly more going after him. So yeah, Kenny's going to be fighting a lot of people in the next couple months. Busy, busy. Uh, we then go to Kenny and Don, who are in kind of a editing room with all these screens and... We've seen uh, we've seen it mainly on Impact, where Don Callis has been showing everyone the highlight reel of Kenny Omega's One Winged Angels, mm -hmm. and it looked like here they were trying to put together another one. When Alex Marvez, uh, the investigative journalist, comes in, uh, questioning them about cheating, he says, "Ah, oh, you're being accused of cheating at Double or Nothing," and Kenny goes, "Look." Maybe instead of talking about cheating, we should be talking about what we're doing right now. And what we're doing right now is trying to prove that there's a conspiracy to screw Kenny Omega out of the AEW championship. So they're isolating clips from Double or Nothing and all these times when uh, they're trying to screw uh, Kenny. So uh, Kenny Omega is now Sami Zayn. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Yeah, we're going to have to see this video at some point. Pretty much. We go uh, to, it shows us that we're getting the Jungle Boy match in three weeks. I think they announced that Double or Nothing, it was going to be two weeks, but it's now going to be in three weeks. Is this yeah. the 
Is this the Saturday Dynamite? Yeah, I was looking at the calendar. So it looks like that's going to be the first time they go back to being live because the next two Dynamites are going to be taped. I know next week it's a Friday. The week after that, they haven't said what day. It all depends on NBA. But that Saturday is going to be the first show back um, with a live audience. So I heard that Tony Khan's going to try to treat this show kind of like the quarterly special shows that are going to come. So it's going to mm. be a pretty big show. Um, so I can see maybe like Andrade having his first match there or something else happening. But uh, yeah, this is going to be the, the, the big Saturday show. That's going to be okay. live. Um, Kenny finishes by saying there's a big difference between being a jungle boy and a jungle man and a jungle man and a jungle champ. But he's like, but I love the guy. I love his music. And they start singing Tarzan boy and try and get Marvez to awkwardly join in with them. And that brings us to our next match of the night, Jungle Boy pairing with Christian Cage to take on Private Party. Um, Private Party now, you know they're in full jobber mode because they they don't even wear ring gear now. They wear their street gear to wrestle. JR was so mad. He was going off on them. I can't believe they're dressed like this. It's all professional. He was going off on them. This, to me, always just screams like, oh, you're moving into that jobber role. When Baron Corbin started wearing his waiter outfit when when corporate Kane was a thing just wearing his slacks J&J security uh it, it's not a good look I don't think at all and I I really can't take these seriously um yeah, I was listening to uh Sandra Gray who's a seamstress for AW she was on their newest podcast and they were asking about everybody's gear and everything they're like oh so when something like private party comes out with their regular gear do you do any adjustments or anything she's like no that's all them they just they buy whatever they want and wear you know makes my job easier it's two less things I have to work on hmm so there's some nice action from Jungle Boy here where he's he's just taking out both Quen and Casty. He does a, a nice kind of springboard moonsault into a double arm drag, taking them both down. Uh, Private Party are then pissing around doing the five-second pose to mock Christian. And they even pick up kind of a limp Christian at one point to do the, uh, the five-second pose with yeah. him before uh, Christian wakes up and counters this into a double inverted DDT. Uh, Jungle Boy then comes in with a nice-looking brain buster to Mark Quen, applies the snare trap to Cassidy uh, to Quen, but Cassidy breaks it up, and then Cassidy uses a thumb to the eyes to Jungle Boy and rolls him up with the tights. But Jungle Boy kicks out. Jungle Boy, there's there's this awkward moment where him and Mark Quen are fighting on the top turnbuckle, and he's meant to drop Quen down off the turnbuckle into the snare trap. But Quen unfortunately drops right on his head here. Um, oh, That's so scary. I, got, I, oh, I couldn't believe it. I thought he really got hurt. I hope he's okay, but that looked definitely not as planned. Yeah. Um, and this leads to the finish where uh, Quen taps out to the snare trap. But yeah, I hope Mark Quen is, is okay. Uh, again, this, this match didn't do a whole lot to me. Unfortunately, Private party to me are just kind of falling lower and lower down the rankings in my eyes. I, I don't think the Matt Hardy pairing is particularly working for them. I don't find them sleazy enough heels to particularly hate. Um, I think their work is fine. Uh, uh, Isaiah Casti, especially kind of when we've seen him in those singles matches is really quite impressive. And there's, there's definitely potential there with these guys, but when you you keep seeing sort of new teams being brought in and stuff, and I I do feel these guys are just getting a bit lost there. Um, and I can't say the match did a whole lot to really showcase Jungle Boy and Christian too much either. 
Yeah, the match was what it was. Um, Jungle Boy is going to be a star regardless. I, I, I don't think they need to try to force his theme song down everybody's throat. Like, let everybody organically just do it. Like, the whole thing backstage with Kenny singing along, it's kind of like a WWE thing to do. It's like, oh, we don't want people to do this, but they're going to end up doing it anyway. Um, yeah. The only person I approve singing along is Taz, because that's my favorite part of AEW <laughs> Dark every week, is Taz trying to sing the song, and it sounds hilariously bad. Um, so but Jungle be. Boy, Yeah, Jungle Boy, he's just natural he could just do this on his own um i read somewhere that maybe this can transition to him possibly dropping the jungle boy gimmick down the road and just becoming jungle jack evans as jr loves to call him anyway um so i can see in the next couple of years maybe jungle boy transition into a more not serious style but i guess his gimmick is kind of like doesn't really need to happen i mean he's his story is what it is i mean his dad's a famous celebrity and he's like christian said a couple of weeks ago um he he met him at a state at a show backstage at the Staples Center, and he, he saw in his eyes that he wanted to be a wrestler. Um, so he had a story right there. You don't really need to do this whole Luchasaurus or Jurassic Express gimmick, I think. Um, but he has a bright future. The kid's very young, but I can see like in five to six years, this kid being the top star in any company. Yeah, I, I don't think he should ever drop the Jungle Boy name, uh, but it, he should be Jack Perry, and Jungle Boy should be like Hangman Adam. Right, Page, right, just like you a know, yeah. it's like. Sure, Michaels can still be the heartbreak kid in his 50s, you know? Um, but I do think maybe sort of dropping more the kind of Tarzan-like gear yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, the gimmick a little bit, yeah. And I'm sure he's, like, he's already filling out. He looks a little more muscly than he he was kind of when we first saw him in AEW. So I think bulk up a little bit more maybe. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you. This guy's good. This guy's going to be a star. He already is, but yeah. the sky's the limit. Um, we go backstage to a Team Taz promo. Oh, wait, no, wait. Before that, we got to talk about Matt Hardy and Christian. Oh, Either I'm sorry. Team. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we're going to get boy. we're gonna get this epic match that we've never seen before. Anyway. Yeah. After the match, Matt Hardy beats down Christian and hits the twist of fate on the stage. Yeah. So we're getting to a Matt Hardy-Christian feud. John, I, I was trying to block this out my mind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> JR is going down memory lane between the possibility of Mark Henry wrestling again. He was so happy at that thought. And then he started bringing up his old TLC memories and the, the, the memories of Christian and Edge and the Hardy boys. And yeah, we're going to get this. We're going to get a ladder match, aren't we? We're going to get some sort of TLC match between Christian and Matt Hardy. I feel like something's going to happen. Again, just I don't know what they're thinking right now because they, they've done such a great job so far with with Christian. I think it was a great idea having Jungle Boy go over him. I do think we'll get that Christian Kenny match eventually um but i like that they've been having him mix up with different guys until now working with team taz and doing like the hobbs match and stuff but to go to matt hardy and christian again i on the same show where we just saw mark henry and vicky guerrero yeah. in the ring no, um, the main event we're gonna get into <laughs> it's very it's very 2000 smackdown it's it's yeah this was this was bad i i don't know anyone who's interested in this match christian versus matt hardy um christian versus anyone else and just keep matt hardy in this manager role with the occasional six-man tag i'm okay with but yeah this this is not <laughs> just not a good look i don't think yeah. at all so we go to team taz who uh taz again just always sounds great on the mic uh basically tells page to find himself a tag partner from the dark order to face Cage and Hobbs. Um, and so they'll have a match, I think, next week. I think it was confirmed it will be 10, Preston Vance, teaming yes, with Hangman, 10, yep. mm -hmm. to take on Cage and Hobbs, which 
It should be a pretty fun match. I think uh, Cage and Page have had really good chemistry so far. So seeing Hobbs and Ten mix it up as well, I, I think this is good. And do you see the the babyface turn happening next week for Brian Cage? Um, maybe not necessarily, but I can definitely see some more some more development being planted. Yeah, I can't see like the full turn, but I can definitely see him like costing the match or something, and then getting into a shoving match with Hobbs or somebody else. As long as Hook doesn't get attacked. Leave Hook alone. Leave Hook alone. <laughs> Sting and Darby Allen come out and Sting says, I've had so many incredible experiences in wrestling, but Double or Nothing will be a night I will never, ever forget. Double or Nothing right here in Jacksonville stands up with anything I've ever done in this business. And the crowd are all chanting, you still got it to Sting. And Sting looked genuinely pretty moved by this. And he says, thank you to all of you I appreciate you so much. And this is when Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page appear on the screen. And they're mock congratulating them, saying congratulations is in order. And Sting, you were remarkable on Sunday. Now I know why they call you the icon. You were so good. Hey, you even smelled good. Was that Abercrombie you were wearing? You smelled great, (laughs) Sting. And you were so good. You managed to drag Darby to a win. And Ethan Page says, yeah, you literally dragged Darby because if it wasn't for you, Sting, Darby Allen would still be lying there over that railing from where I threw him. And they start saying that Darby Allen only is picking up these wins because of Sting and he needs Sting to carry him through. So they say, you know what? Next week, Darby, we want to face you in a tag match. And this time you're going to go and find someone, anyone, apart from Sting. Um, yeah, I think I really think Scorpio Sky is starting to come into his own a bit more with his character. Uh, still not 100% clicking with me, um, but every week I'm seeing improvements in his promo. Uh, Ethan Page is, is great on the mic and just has so much uh, charisma for me and uh, plays this egotistical dick really well. Um, and I, I love the whole stings carrying you through because obviously everyone going like, oh, it's going to be Darby working the bulk of the match and stings going to do a few stinger splashes here and there and that kind of thing. So I kind of like the narrative of, oh, Darby, you're only winning because of sting. Um, was it was it wasn't announced who Darby's partner? Was, no, was that's it? what I was going to ask you. Like, who do you think it is? I mean, in a perfect world, there'd be no compete clause. And it would be Alistair Black, Tommy End. I think it would be perfect. We finally could find out who his dark father is. It was Sting mm. all along. Um, I could possibly see somebody like Christopher Daniels, who's not really doing nothing, maybe fitting in with that, with the history of Sky. But realistically, it's probably going to be Lance Archer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Uh, either that or, or Darby can't find a partner and we'll get a two-on-one oh. and it will just be Darby being murdered and doing crazy stuff being thrown around, perhaps. Maybe it's Tony Hawk. He can his old, his old skateboarder buddy. Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk can come yeah. Why not? Fire Frank in the room. Uh, very on brand with the fire. Says it's got to be Kane. Um, yeah, yeah, he has history with, with Harold when Scorpio Sky was part of the uh, the, the thing with uh, Daniel Bryan back in the day. Those segments all right. True. After Shelby. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, th- this feud continues. I think we're eventually going to lead to just singles matches, probably. Ethan yeah. Page versus Darby. That's what I want to see. Do yeah. you see Scorpio Sky versus Sting? Do you see a singles match for Sting? Um, yes, I can see them building to that. That could be that Saturday show if they're going to treat it like as a big show. You could have you know 
first time ever sting is going to have his first singles match in you know since the last episode of uh nitro on tnt and they can just hype it up like that um i could yeah i could definitely see a one-off with sting and scorpio sky but after that like what is there really more to do with sting i mean you got to kind of have him there to build up darby but i don't want to see sting really have too many matches i feel like it's gonna make him seem less important after a while yeah i agree and i think the singles matches um you've got to keep like limited and you've got to keep it for those big ones like they're going to do Sting Cody eventually, right? You would think. And I think that's something you need to keep Sting feeling special for that match. Um, so I'm cool with like the tag matches with Darby. I think that's great. And I think it's a great way of kind of maybe hiding Sting's weaknesses at this age and um, and getting some fun nostalgia out of him. Because I thought he looked great at Double or Nothing. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that match. Um but yeah, I, I don't know if we'll be seeing a whole load of singles matches for him. You could always do Sting versus Andrade. That would be the closest thing to Sting Ooh, and Flair. That's true. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, I like that. We go to the ring where Tony Schiavone is there, uh, surrounded by a bunch of heel jobbers to call <laughs> out, sorry, enhancement talent, uh, to call out the new women's champion, Britt Baker, DMD. Britt comes out and says... La Champion really outdid herself tonight. I guess La is the feminine, right? For Le Champion. Le Champion, yeah. She says she really outdid herself tonight. And there's this whole spread on the table with a bunch of hamburgers. And she goes... confused with this until I went on uh, Brit's Twitter today. And I guess it's a legit thing. Like McDonald's uh, sent her 1,500 vouchers for free Big Macs. Really? It's a legit thing. Yeah. She actually has it on her Twitter. So, I mean, I'm a, wow. I'm a big mark for uh, for McDonald's. I got my little uh, my little uh, officer Mac here. So I'm a big <laughs> McDonald's fan, but I was very confused on why there was a spread of Big Macs in the middle of the ring. Yeah. So this there's this spread of Big Macs, and she says, "Look, I wasn't able to do what the inner circle did. I hadn't been able to give you all uh, t-shirts, but I do have all these burger coupons. So check under your seat, and you're seeing a very tired." Daily's place crowd looking under their seats and there's nothing there. They were probably ex- they're probably excited because they ran out of food and concession stands. They're like, oh my god, yes, we can get some big we get food. Yeah. Get them. Um, they look under their seats, there's nothing there, and Britt says, Oh, look, they're all here in the ring with me where they belong. I did the work and no one was on the ride with me. This was all me. And when I'm on TV. You can't look away. This is the start of a whole new era. When I came here, I saw planted everywhere in the crowd, the letters DMD on signs. You were chanting DMD. But what's going to bring us to the new era? And that's DMD. And as Brit's celebrating, Nyla Rose comes up from behind her and knocks a burger out of her hand, starts throwing the plate of burgers around pops a bunch of the balloons and storms off this was terrible this looks so confusing and you had messaged me when this happened you're like oh this is perfect it's gonna be her her face turn you got all these heels in the ring she's gonna you know shut them up or talk down on them and no it was very awkward like didn't Britt baker say she was gonna bring out two people that were responsible for her winning like we never got to find out who those two people were unless i misheard her and then yeah we're just gonna go back to Britt and nyla rosa it looks like um yeah, this was very weird. I did not understand this whatsoever. 
uh, it's just Luther making funny faces in the background and PH2 looking bored. And yeah, I don't know what this was. I really don't know what the reason for this was. This was so bad. Uh, Britt Baker, I think, is fantastic. And she's she had a great match with Sheeda. Um, she's got a great promo in her as well. Uh, this didn't work at all. This wasn't the cementing your big win with a big killer promo at all. Uh, Nyla looked like she had was told, right, you're going to go out there and you're going to throw these burgers around and pop these balloons. And it, she looked like she said, that's dumb. I don't want to do that. And they're like, no, no, it'll work. Cause there was no effort or enthusiasm in this destruction of this celebration from Nyla at all. It looked so terrible. Um, confused. Like why, why are there burgers? Why are there all these, this AW dark talent? Like they've managed to stretch their legs from being front row for them, for the show. Yeah. Um, I do, I do still see the, the face turn coming from Brit, uh, with this feud against Nyla. I definitely see Brit being the, the baby face here, but I, I thought this would be the great time kind of still be a heelish character, but run down all the people who are in the ring with her and with them being heels, it automatically gives you a bit of that, a baby face pop. Um, yeah. And, and Nyla at this point as well, I, I see her being in the same role as Lance Archer, where it's, oh, we need, we need a, a threat for the champion who realistically is going to lose and take the loss. The, Nyla Rose is now Kane or the big show, right? I, she's I she's like, a former yeah. champion where you can say, oh, Britt Baker, she's facing this former champion, this formidable force in Nyla Rose. But uh, there's no way Nyla is, is winning the title here. I feel like this might have been a last-minute change of plans because on AW Dark, Thunder Rosa cut a promo saying that the winner of Sheeta and uh, Baker is going to have to face her. Uh, maybe Rosa with the NWA pay-per-view being live tomorrow, uh, maybe she just couldn't be there and they had to kind of rewrite things. But to be positive, this could have been worse, right? Britt Baker could have gone face first into the Big Macs, then she would have had her new, her new T-shirt with her with a with a face full of Big Mac sauce. That could have been um, the picture. Yeah. We, get that. So we just got pop balloons and Big Macs being thrown around. This is true. This is true. We go backstage with Alex Marvez, who's with Eddie Kingston, and he's questioning about uh, kind of him saving Pac and Penta earlier when Pac and Penta come in and they're pretty mad. Uh, and they say, look, we don't need your help. Uh, you made it quite clear those months ago. Like, we, we aren't friends. And Eddie does his, his mock, my best friend, my best friend, like he was doing with Penta uh, a couple of months ago. And he goes, hey, guys, just think the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Let that marinate a little. Um, I feel this is just something to keep Eddie busy while Mox is away, uh, I guess, being a dad. Um, I, I'm not against this. I think Eddie Kingston is a very complicated character, and this makes kind of pure sense with him. Obviously, we saw him with that feud with Mox, where he wanted to kill Mox went to be champion, but hey, I'm not letting anyone else kill Mox, you know? Um, he's my friend. I'm allowed to insult him, but no one else is going to. And it's essentially the same here with Pack and Penta. Just something to keep them tied up with, and I'm not fully against this. Yeah, you could definitely do, like, Kingston running through, you know, having a match with Pentagon, kind of Pac getting in the middle of them, getting a little bit jealous. Hey, maybe uh, Pac brings in his old friend, Bo Dallas, you know? Shout out to what's next. Him and uh, Bo Dallas are a hell of a tag team down there. Oh, true, true. Getting that W over the Wyatt family this yeah. week. 
We go to our next match where we see The Bunny, formerly part of Eddie Kingston's stable, uh, taking who's now, what, Hardy family office, I think The Bunny. Yeah, it's weird because, like, The Butcher has been injured for a while, so he hasn't been on TV. So it's been, like, mostly The Bunny and The Blade, but now The Blade got injured as well because they took him out of the Casino Battle Royal. So now it's just The Bunny on her own doing a lot of matches with The Blade by her side. So The Bunny's taken on Red Velvet, uh, Bunny tries to attack Velvet from behind, but she scouted this and takes the Bunny down, follows up by a standing moonsault press. And then we get a suicide dive to the outside from Velvet, which uh, looked kind of scary for a second. I, I think just in general, whenever I see a, a woman do a suicide dive, I, I think it's just their build looks way scarier than the dudes yeah. doing it. But she seemed fine. Um, Velvet hits the, sorry, the Bunny hits the sliding D in the corner. Uh, but Velvet kicks out. Velvet comes back with a stunner. And then the blade hands brass knucks to uh, to the bunny as Swole and Kylan King are on the apron trying to tell the ref that there's brass knucks, but thus distracting them. I-, I hate when they do this, when the baby face are accidentally distracting the ref from the, from the heel spot. Uh, just looks a bit dumb. And was this Rick Knox again? Probably. Um, Probably. Velvet ducks the strike and then hits just desserts, the, the kind of spin kick uh, to pin the bunny. One, two, three. Um, pretty, pretty quick match. I'm, I'm very high on Red Velvet and I, I think it's, it's good to see her wrestle more because I think she can always be a, a contender down the line. Um, so yeah, more Red Velvet. Let's, let's build this one up. Yeah, this is a callback to, I think, this past episode of AEW Dark where Nyla Rose and the Bunny got a win over Velvet and Swole with the same way with the the Blade handing her brass knuckles and them cheating and winning that way. You wouldn't know that because they don't tell you this, but if you listen to Shot in the Dark, you would <laughs> um, And I think it was Red Velvet's birthday as well, so happy birthday. I wonder if she had Red Velvet cake. And at this point, I think we were talking, like, if Britt Baker does turn babyface, there really isn't that many heels for her to wrestle. You have Nyla Rose, you have the Bunny, and Penelope Ford is a heel, but she's who knows if she's around now, but everybody else is a baby face, right? Like there is really no other heels unless you turn a Shido or a Ty Conti. Like there really isn't that many people for her to feud with. I would say Jade eventually, Jade, Jade, but yes, that seems that seems too soon. Like too I, soon. I would see I would see Jade as next champion, like in six months or something, with a, a huge baby face Britt Baker taking on Jade. Um, but that seems too early right now. But yeah, you need to either bring in some heels or turn a couple of people perhaps uh yeah uh, a lot of ladies out there you know you got chelsea green you got the iconics you got some blanchard i know people don't want to hear her name but she's out there do you think you could turn thunder rosa when you go back to that feud i can see that happening i can see thunder rosa being a heel um she's like in the nwa title picture right now even serena deeb was showing a little bit of heel tendencies in her match yeah, with that's true. at double or nothing mm. so i can see even like a serena deeb saying you know i'm better than you the nwa title means more than your title so i can see that being a match we go backstage to the dark order and it's uh johnny hungy's birthday and he said that tony khan said that he wanted to give a tnt championship shot to uh, to Johnny for uh, for his birthday, but he's still not cleared to wrestle because he's still injured. Okay. So, so why did Red Velvet not get a title shot on her birthday? That's not fair. <laughs> true, <laughs> true. Well, Brit's only just won this thing, right? That's true, okay. And she had all those burgers to, to celebrate with. <laughs> so uh, Johnny Hungy says he's going to give his TNT Championship shot to Evil Uno. And... And so that sets up Evil Uno versus Miro for the TNT 
title next week. And we go to a Miro promo who says, first, I want to thank God for my power and my wife for being hot. Um, this is great. So Lana has just been released from WWE and she put out a tweet yesterday, I believe saying, you know what? I just want to take this opportunity to thank, uh, to congratulate my husband for winning the TNT championship. What? Two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Cause there's that edict in WWE where you can't tweet about kind of other competition, right, right, which right. is so yeah. stupid. So yeah. she's like, yeah, I just want to congratulate my husband for achieving this. So he just thanks her back for being hot. Wonderful. Her, uh, his, his response on Twitter was like, I don't know how you don't notice. I sleep naked wearing it every night. Yeah. <laughs> I want this to be, I want this to be a running thing. I want to see be like Miro mentioning her every day or every time he's on TV. And then eventually you're going to have to bring Lana in. I mean, even if it's not to wrestle, you got to have Lana and Miro back on TV together. I feel like that's what everybody probably wants to see at this point. What else is okay. Lana going to do, really? You know? TikTok. <laughs> I, yeah, TikTok. I yeah. feel like Lana will be fine without working in wrestling. But yeah, you could always bring her in. Just I wouldn't have her as a wrestler. And I, I don't necessarily think Miro needs a mouthpiece. I think he's he's great. But if you want to like complete the act, uh, I was always a big fan of Rusev and Lana back in the day. He says, Uno challenged me, but he isn't as strong as me. And I'm going to use this to give a lesson to the locker room that you can't come after someone like me when you know, uh, sorry, you can only come after me when you know you can survive. So he's like, hey, don't challenge me if, if you know I'm going to kill you. So Miro versus Uno next week. Uh, another great Uno, uh, sorry, Miro promo. I'm so happy they've turned the corner with this guy. And he's finally doing what he should have done months and months ago. Um, so that's confirmed for next week. We're also getting the Bucks and Brandon Cutler taking on Pac, Penta and Eddie Kingston and Hangman and Ten taking on Cage and Hobbs. And that brings us to our main event of the evening. It's Dustin Rhodes versus Nick Camarado in a ball rope match. Now, commentary made it clear to us that there's a difference between a Texas ball rope match and a ball rope match. In a Texas ball rope match, you need to touch all four corners, whereas a ball rope match is pinfall or uh, submission with no disqualification. So kind of the same rules of a, a chain match or something like that. And before the bell starts, Camarado attacks Dustin. Um, the match goes underway and Dustin's using the bell to the head of Camarado. Camarado's wrapping the rope of the bell around Dustin's face. And then in the crowd, he pie faces Fuego del Sol, who gets in the <laughs> way. So Fuego del Sol jumps Nick Camarado from behind. And then uh, Camarado just picks him up and throws him on top of the dark roster there at ringside. A pretty cool spot, actually. We see yeah, now for, for Fuego, like he's he's he had like the worst record in AEW history. Oh no, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's really bad. I did notice at this point in the crowd, um, former NWA TV champion Ziggy Dice, who I know got released a couple of months ago, so you could possibly be seeing him on AEW Dark soon. Hmm. Um, we get we see Camarado who's now busted open at this point. He power bombs Dustin through a table that's at ringside, and then Colton Gunn runs out to take out Aaron Solo. We get the final reckoning from uh, Dustin on the cowbell, but Camarado kicks out at one. And then Dustin kicks Camarado low 
uh, and he's still coming back. He's still fighting back. So Dustin drives Camarado face first into the exposed turnbuckle, uses the bell to the head, and then leaps off the top rope with a bulldog, taking down Nick Camarado and pinning him one, two, three in the middle of the ring. Um, and Dustin is kind of in the crowd celebrating at the end. Uh, the crowd don't really seem to care at this point. They just want to go home. Um, this was just confusing end to a confusing show to me. Um, why? Why do you, why do you do this? Like, okay. You do this in on a house show. You do this in Texas in front of Dustin's hometown. You do this on the AEW dark. Why do you do this on the main event of dynamite? Like you don't like, why, like why put Dustin over Camarado, a guy you're trying to build? Like, I don't understand the purposes at all. And in, in the main event spot on top of everything, didn't make any sense the, the only like high spot about this is jr tried to cut a, a joke with solo he was like aaron solo that little jerk he needs to be solo all right and then he like paused a little bit because nobody really understood them he's like like out of, out of our sight like you know he needs to be solo like out, away from here and like his, the joke didn't land but um this match just i don't understand the point of this at all like i, I like dustin but he shouldn't be given this spot no, I, I like Dustin too. I think it's it's pretty incredible for a guy at 52. Uh, the way he still moves, he looks great. Um, he can still go. And I'm not saying that this guy should retire. And I think there's a lot of benefit to a Dustin Rhodes working with younger guys. Absolutely. Um, I don't want to see him in a main event. The only reason I'd want to see him in a main event is if it's a like retirement match. That that's the only only hook you could have for Damn. Dustin Rhodes. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying lose and retire, but I'm saying that kind of stipulation. Right, right, right. Adding the stakes. Otherwise, Dustin Rhodes he can afford to lose to anyone. It's not going to af- affect him at all. Um, Nick Camarado, a big, impressive looking guy, uh, absolutely should have just steamrolled Dustin here. I also think Camarado's not experienced enough to be working a match like this. Um, you think to the, the sort of chain match between Cody and Brody Lee, both guys are very experienced workers. They know how to work around the kind of the rope, the chain, with it all getting tied up and still be able to do impressive wrestling and things. Uh, both guys were just kind of tripping over this thing. Um, I, I didn't think it was a very good match at all and just baffling, baffling end. No, um, I, I agree. I mean, yeah, I mean, Camarado, he didn't even get past the PC part of WWE. But, like, if you want to get him over, like, this is the perfect opportunity. The way they were building this, it's like, it's the first ever Bull World match in AEW, which at this point, everything's going to be a first of. It's still a new company. But then you're like, Dustin Rhodes has never lost this match anywhere. So what bigger way to put somebody like Camarado over is being the first person to beat Dustin in this match that he's been doing for, what, 30 years? Yeah. Um, yeah, make him a star. Make him, you know, make, make him be like a star, like we're there with a bloody cowbell and then down the road you could go cody and camarado like you have a match right there that you could build in, in one segment again on this same show cutie pinned cody yeah and dustin's pinning this guy it baffling uh i i love AEW. <laughs> look i really enjoy AEW. i'm so glad there is an AEW to shake up the wrestling landscape and all that i thought double or nothing Fantastic pay-per-view. Um, I think this is the worst dynamite they've produced. I thought this was terrible. 
terrible yeah. segments, terrible booking decisions, terrible match finishes, um, no real story progression or any story progression there is of the feuds that I don't want to see, like Matt Hardy and Christian. Um, the one highlight, which could have been a huge, huge moment, the debut of Andrade, they ruined. Um, yeah. I I thought this was really bad and i i don't get i know it's i know it's a friday night and it's on a a time that isn't prime time but also people have different viewing habits and even though you might not be attracting all those people you get on a wednesday at 8 p.m there are probably different people watching tv at friday night at 10 p.m who might stumble across your show and might think oh actually that's pretty good Oh, when's it on next? Oh, it's on Friday again next week. I might watch that. And then you might have a new viewer to come on, on Wednesdays. I don't, I don't understand the sense of ever. I know Raw does it every fucking week, but I don't see the point in doing a throwaway show. And, and especially when you've got a crowd, you've just got full crowds back. This isn't enticing me to want to go. Do you want to sit in 80 degree heat and watch a load of dark matches followed by this shit? Um, I I thought this was a major major dud of a show for me. Yeah, and I'm, I'm thinking the same thing. I'm like, geez, like between this show and last week's show, which wasn't that good either. It's like, like people are gonna think that I hate AEW, and I don't. I want them to succeed. I, I want these wrestlers to succeed. I'm like, is it just me that thinks this? But then I go to Cage Match, and this is literally the worst rated show in Dynamite history. Last week is the second lowest rated show, so it's not just us. You know, the Post Wrestling Forum gave it a low score as well. So I'm like, okay, at least it's not just me, like just being negative for no reason these are bad shows like there's no way around it um but i agree the andrade thing is going to be forgotten because it's going to be on a show that was bad it was terrible like you could have saved it you could have done something so much better with andrade there's 20 things i could have named um as a better way to debut him or tease him than what they did tonight oh last night especially after last week's low rating you should make your audience feel guilty for missing the show you know they're like hey we're on friday at 10 i know the time kind of sucks but you do a stacked show with actually deliver with the Bucks pack Penta match. Just, just I know the Bucks are doing this character, but just go out there and put on a 20 minute fucking banger of a match. You have a big Andrade debut. You have a, a decent Brit promo. You know, you, you make this a must see, can't miss show and be well, sucks for you for not staying in on Friday night and watching it. Like you missed a great show. Instead, they're telling me that I don't really need to, tune into Dynamite again until it's back on the road and back on a Wednesday. Yeah. Yep. I agree. 100%. Uh, well, that's what we thought. Uh, we're now going to open up the the Zoom calls to see if any of you guys want to call in with your thoughts. Were we being, were being extra negative today? Uh, what did you think? And I'll just give it a minute to see if anyone wants to, to join in. I don't see anyone in the Twitch chat. Uh, wanting to call today maybe maybe they were as bummed out as us with with this show yeah um, and i wonder if like a lot of people even saw the show because i know last week they had that really bad rating it was like the worst what Dyn- view dynamite but i guess like the dvr numbers were really high so a lot of people might have watched it today they might have watched it on delay um how does how do you think this 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 relates to rampage coming because obviously like this time slot isn't working for them people thought maybe with smackdown a lot of the fans would carry over and watch uh, AEW. Um, but like, I feel like that Saturday show is definitely going to be better with the number one, it's gonna be a better card the way they're building it already. But I feel like this 10 o'clock Friday night time slot is not really doing it for them. 
Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's certainly not if they're producing shows like that, you know? It's not going to make me want to. But that being said, isn't Rampage going to be a, a one-hour show? It's going to be one hour, yeah, but it's still like that 10 o'clock time slot. I feel like that's not really a good time to watch wrestling. I mean, I don't know anybody that watches 205 Live or New Japan Strong at that time, besides me. Well, I don't even watch it at that time. I watched it on delay a couple days later. But I feel like that 10 o'clock time, especially with a lot of things opening up now, me personally, I don't want to be home on a Friday night. Uh, I don't see many people wanting to stay home on a Friday night and watching wrestling. Um, so I feel like it's going to be that, that DVR show unless they really push Rampage off the gate, like, you know, with some crazy first match. I mean, I'm not too clued up with, uh, with all ratings in, in general, but I imagine across the board, 10 o'clock on a Friday doesn't do too well on TV. I don't, yeah. So it, it's, it's going to be comparable to other shows on at that time. And I guess if they are getting the, the DVR, like, I mean, I would probably DVR it and watch it Saturday morning, you know, with breakfast, watching Rampage. I can see a lot of people doing that. So unless they're getting demolished by other programming on at that time, if it does a decent enough for that point, I don't really see it being a problem for them. I think they just want to produce more content. content. And yep. they're saying they're saying it's going to be a like, you've got to watch it. Like it's a must-see show. But I mean, of course, they're going to say that. But yeah, AEW need to pull their socks up a bit and start producing for these Fridays and Saturday shows. Um, we do have Magan who's called in. I believe he wants to talk about SmackDown. So, uh, Magan, how are you doing? What's up, guys? Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Anyway, How's it going? good. I'm good. Um, so I take a dynamo. wasn't something to write home about, isn't it? <laughs> you could say that. Okay. Uh, anyway, um, SmackDown was SmackDown was consistent like last night. I mean, I mean the Roman I mean the Roman Reigns Uso saga is dominating the show, and it's to be honest, it's the, it's the beating heart. To be honest with you, it's the beating heart of the show as of late. Anyway, with um with uh, with bookending the the Usos and the Mysterios, you know, in the beginning and the end of SmackDown, and Reigns, you know, throwing a wrench to the throwing wrenches to the ending. It's pretty, I mean, they're really taking their time for furthering that story because Jimmy Uso isn't completely on board with, with Reigns' actions, whereas, J, whereas Jimmy, whereas Jay is somewhat is stuck in the middle between the two of them. And with Reigns doesn't, and with, and with Hell in a Cell coming up, I mean, they need to find somebody for Reigns because I, I don't see him taking a pay per view off because I, I hope that story pays off sooner than later. What do you guys think? Sino, uh, so, I'm going to go for you. I, I haven't caught SmackDown this week yet, although I am sort of. I, I've been following the Reigns and Uso story, obviously. But Sino, uh, so, after last night, where do you see the direction going for Hell in a Cell? Yeah, I mean, there was a great segment la- uh, last night where uh, Jimmy and Jay they were backstage, and Roman called Jay Uso Jimmy Uso, and Jay's like, "Roman, I'm Jay," and he's like, "Eh." Roman's like, "Does it really matter?" The way you guys are wrestling now—that was like a great moment. Um, he's definitely trying to to cause um, some issues between them to the point where I think Jay's gonna have to turn on his brother. I, that's all you like real resolution I can see out of this. It was interesting that Roman kind of messed up the tag team title match because the thing was like if the Usos don't win, they you know they disappoint Roman. So it's like it makes me question: Is like Roman gonna team up with Jay and get the tag titles themselves? They kind of prove that they're a better team and he doesn't need Jimmy. I don't know. Um, as far as telling the cell goes, I really don't know um, at this point what they're going to do. It's, it's like Cesaro kind of like out of the picture. He's feuding with Rollins. I don't see anybody else really feuding um, with Roman unless they do some sort of match with the Mysterios. Maybe the Mysterios and somebody 
Um, or just do that tag match. You don't have to have Roman defend his title Hell in the Cell. You can just do Roman and, and Jay against the Mysterios for the tag titles. I just want to add, I just want to add that. I mean, like if you go back to like, you know, uh, I think it was last week where they had that backstage bit with Roman and Jay. He feel he feel like he like Roman feels like Jay's only purpose, only purpose for being uh, being part of the island, so to speak, is basically you know helping him. And he, Roman doesn't want Jay to succeed, although he's uh, gaslighting him, saying that you know what was you were going back to the opening match, but when you're, when you're with me, you're in the main event, your main event, Uso. And then they, I feel like he's planning he's planting all these seeds of like second. I think he's planting all these seeds to doubt in Jay's mind to like you know cause him to question where. His love is really alive because I do think Rain Roman is going to be the witch that's going to drive Jimmy and Jay apart. And I wouldn't be, and with SummerSlam going to have, be going to have fans again, I would, I mean, that would be the perfect spot for like a brother versus brother showdown because I feel like that'll be one of the best matches on that card that ever happens. Yeah, I can definitely <laughs> see that happening with uh, Jimmy and Jay at SummerSlam. And then there's a rumored Roman versus Cena match. So you could have them kind of spin off and do that in the meantime. I mean, Roman versus Cena will be, will be very good, considering how much the latter has descended since he came back at SummerSlam last year. So, I mean, I mean, I mean, Roman did beat him before. So, like, I mean, but this feels different now because, you know, Absolutely. he's doing some of the best work of his career. Thank you, Magan. Um, Thank you, guys. Cena, do you, do you think it would be too early to go to um, – Jay versus Jimmy in the cell and do the same gimmick as have Roman more in kind of an enforcer role. And it's the same gimmick as last year where Jay, if Jay wins, Jimmy kind of has to come on board and join. But if, if Jimmy wins, he can go solo. Uh, Is Hell in a Cell a bit too soon for that? Because I, I, I think so. Yeah, I think you definitely need to to still build up a couple tensions. I like my idea of having Roman and Jay win the tag titles against Ray and uh, Dominic and having them be like, okay, we can do the titles. And then SummerSlam, like like Muggins said, is a perfect, I think, match to have Jimmy and Jay. I feel like SummerSlam is always the show where the the siblings fight, right? They don't like the Hardys fight there. Or the yeah. I like, I don't know, SummerSlam is always like the Undertaker versus Undertaker. You always have like your siblings fighting. Um, so that would be the perfect match, I think, for that. But yeah, a little bit too early. Hell, it's like in what? Three weeks, two weeks, like it's it's way too early, I think, to do that match. Yeah, I I can't see an opponent for for uh, Roman though. So I I think I don't think Russia a feud. I maybe have a challenger in set in place for Money in the Bank, but I prefer to see maybe a tag match or maybe Roman sit up sit out this one and just be more involved with the the storytelling if if the Usos are going for a tag title or something like that. Um, but it's definitely the most compelling story um on smackdown by miles right now can you see possibly with naomi now not having a tag team partner having her get involved somehow i feel like this needs more samoans i feel like you, you need more family members bring in a rikishi bring in somebody i think to get this obviously the rock is like the end game to this all mm. I think you need some more anawais to kind of come in and uh try to get jimmy's uh, jay's head straight you know in this whole thing yeah, I think there's enough um, kind of story with just Jimmy and Jay right now, but I, I'm with you. I, I'd love to see kind of more Samoans getting involved in this. Um, and with The Rock, obviously, hopefully being the end game whenever whenever that will be. Um, but it, it is a very interesting story. I'm enjoying it. And I mean, you could almost go, because this story is so compelling, you could go with Jimmy for Money in the Bank, perhaps, um, which adds a real wrinkle into it. If he's then on board with the family and there's, there's now distrust from Roman because he's thinking 
all right, well, I've got this guy on my team now, but he he could challenge me at any point for this. That'd be great. Um, it's I, I know they've whether they'd actually want to put the title on uh, Jimmy, which I don't see that happening at all. But no, I, I can see that as story storyline adding to that for sure. Um, but by the sounds of it, you you caught SmackDown last night. Um, SmackDown kind of won the night last night. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't that good of a show. Like, don't get me wrong. The Roman Uso stuff was good. Um, there was a really weird segment with Bailey and uh, Bianca where, like, Bailey has a thing now where she just laughs. She just laughs. Mm. And, like, she was on the screen and they put her face laughing on the Thunderdome, which, like, at this point, I'm, like, counting down the days till the Thunderdome is gone because I'm getting a little tired of it. Uh, mm. I kind of watch the regular fans now. But that was a really odd segment. I, I just watched to see, like, how the, you know, what are they going to do with Big E now? Because he was supposed to started feud with Alistair Black on this episode. Obviously last week they you know he attacked him. So that was weird. Um Biggie wasn't even on the show. And then Liv Morgan comes out and like the commentary team is like, you know, she's all on her own now. She's had a rough week. And it's like, yeah, no shit. You guys fired her boyfriend a couple months ago and now you fired her best friend. Like like she's by herself. Yeah. Um so that was weird to see her kind of like give me the impression that she didn't even want to be there. I feel like Liv is at this point. She's just like, who knows? She's like throwing her jacking at the camera and stuff like it was really weird um but no it, it, it was an okay show it wasn't like the one of the best smackdowns that i've seen recently but yeah definitely uh probably squeaked by and, and was definitely better than dynamite last night well that brings us to an end of our jd elite shot of jd in the morning at brunch for uh AEW chat um we'll be back again next saturday morning um i need to check with brayden if he's around or not but uh, we'll be doing this same time again, 11 a.m. on Twitch. And yeah, I hope I'm not a bad, a bad omen. Like, I feel like whenever I'm on this show, they just, AW's like, oh, we don't give a fuck. We're just going to throw Kylan Kang on there. You know, <laughs> watches her anyway on Dark, and we're just going to have a terrible show. So hopefully, if, I, if I'm off that week, they can uh, turn things around. But that show, I think, is being taped now or tonight. Like, it's the spark. I, really... I feel like with, with fans there, I feel like we're probably going to get a lot of spoilers out there. I would think so. You know, yeah, with a lot of fans in attendance, True. yeah. Uh, do you have anything uh, you'd like to plug? Uh, tell us once again where we can find Shot in the Dark, where we can find your socials, and any final words from Mr. Sino. Yeah. Absolutely. This Sunday, I'll be having a report for uh, NWA's When Our Shadows Fall pay-per-view, which should be a pretty noteworthy show. I know Kylie Ray is going to be wrestling there, making her NWA debut. I don't know. She's been kind of off the grid since leaving Impact. Um, so she's going to be on that show. Uh, we have Trevor Murdoch versus Nick Aldis for the title. It should be an okay show. Unfortunately, NWA is kind of under the radar now since they've been off of YouTube. But if you want to know what happens anyway, check out my report. It's going to be a 4 o'clock show. They're going to be early. And I was confused by that. Then I realized that Jake Paul is fighting Mayweather Sunday night as well. So that's probably the reason why it's early. Um, are you going to be watching that fight? Jake Paul. I, I think so, yeah. I, I'm too. curious. I had to see what happens. Uh, besides that, Shot in the Dark Wednesdays. I've been having Wednesdays by my lonesomes, and I guess it's going to continue next week, which is great because I feel like my listeners have uh, increased since uh, no other shows are that day, so that's good for me. Uh, and Yeah, we'll see what happens on AEW Dark. We'll see if uh, we're going to get 30 matches or five matches. Hopefully five. Uh, check me out. My handle's right there. C-N-O-E-V-I-L on everything. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Check me out. Awesome. And you can find me at Davey Portman. Uh, quick plug, prowrestlingtees.com slash up next. We've just put up some new summer merchandise because we all want to have an up next summer this year. Uh, that's available on there uh, as well as our hoodies, all our oldest shirts. Uh, so go check that out. Um, great guys at Pro Wrestling Tees. 
And it's still early in the month, only fifth of the month. So a great time to sign up to our Patreon, patreon.com slash up next. Uh, once again, all over the shop this month, we're going to be doing a best match ever on the feud of Jerry Lynn and Rob Van Dam, looking at some of their greatest matches. Uh, we're going to be doing in your house mind games, uh, which Mick Foley recently talked about in his A&E documentary, his match with uh, Shawn Michaels from that pay-per-view. Uh, so we'll be doing that ahead of In Your House, uh, Takeover In Your House 2, which obviously we'll be covering with our watch-alongs and post-show coverage. Uh, looking at a load of different films this month, including Glen Gary, Glen Ross, and looking at the 50th anniversary of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yes, our patron is all over the place, but... We hope you find something there you like. Only $5 per month and you can get all of June's schedule plus over 300 shows from our back catalogue. Um, and you can find me at Davy Portman on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find us at Up Next Podcast on Twitter and Instagram as well. And join the Facebook group. Always a lot of fun stuff going on in there. But that brings us to an end today. Um, sorry for being so down on this show. Uh, hopefully next week, uh, we're a lot cheerier about it. Cause I promise you guys, we do love AEW as much as it sounds like we don't. It's just wasn't the best show this week, but take care guys. Uh, if you're in Toronto, New York, wherever is boiling hot this weekend, please do remember drink your water, wear that sunscreen. Do not overheat. Okay. Take care guys. Be safe. Ahoy! Hey there, BreezeLine has a holiday gift just for you. One month of free internet for all your family's gift sites, book flights, and movie nights. Get reliable, fast internet with speeds starting at 100 megabits per second for just $19.99 a month. Plus, free Wi-Fi your way home for the first 12 months. And your first month is free. BreezeLine wishes you all a happy and bright holiday season. If only they could give you a little holiday relief from all the matching family outfits. Service subject to availability. New residential customers in select areas only. Visit BreezeLine.com for complete offer details. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-on bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIO, you'll be all set for when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIO.